Welcome to another episode of the Thrive Kombucha Podcast. I'm Elijah, the founder of Thrive Brew Kombucha Co., an up-and-coming kombucha brewery in downtown Lexington, Kentucky. At Thrive Brew, our mission is to brew clean, crushable kombucha to nourish you to thrive. This podcast is simply an extension of that mission where we reflect and share the ins and outs of the journey it's been building out a nourished kombucha community. If you find any value or enjoyment from this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review on the platform you are listening to. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes that promote our favorite fermented beverage. Cheers. What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode. Today, we're going to be talking all about, does kombucha even taste good? No. (laughs) (laughs) Says one of the three people that work at an actual kombucha brewery. (laughs) Get it straight from the professionals. Does it even taste good? Question around that topic that we get all the time. Yeah. So we're going to dive into it. It's a question I'm a little sympathetic to when I do hear people who are uh, hesitant around around it just because of what their experience has been or not been or what they've seen or not seen. Um, it's like like every other topic. It depends. It depends. <laughs> It depends on. Uh, I mean, as um, as professionals, we have also had uh, mixed experiences. You better believe it. It oh. depends what kombucha is in front of me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is kombucha good? As an overarching statement, it depends. Is this kombucha good? No. But is this kombucha good? This figure pair that I have right here, it absolutely is, which is why it's my third glass uh, this morning. Dang, you're going deep. You were out for a few days. I was out for a few days. Yeah, and so uh, and I I didn't have any figgy figgy pears specifically. Yeah, so you were you were hurting. Yes, I had kombucha. Okay, I just didn't have figgy pear. Oh, yeah, that's a big difference. Though. I was wanting I was wanting the cloves, dude. This time of year. Yep. So, which direction are we gonna take this, Trev? Uh, well, we had a bad experience recently. An unfortunate one. An unfor- you can call it unfortunate. I'm going to call it bad. <laughs> I did not like it. It was an unfortunate experience. Uh, yeah. Um, it had the... Anyway, we'll skip that. Um, and I still don't understand why it was as bad as it was. Yeah, it was one that you kind of went into with some decent an- anticipation, too. Yes. The anticipation was high, but extreme. The letdown was great. It wasn't the only experience we've had. We also had a uh, uh, recently on also on the podcast. We uh, talked about uh, trying uh, the uh, the tiramisu one, and that was amazing for me. It was delicious. That it, it was life changing. It it did. It almost <laughs> changed your life. It probably did. It was like this is. The emergence of everything that I love it, in a kombucha. You know what? It really is. Yeah. And uh, I now have a, uh, I have a reference point. It's like, all right, if you want to uh, offer a kombucha, if it's good or not, like this is what it's competing against. But you said that was a 10 out of 10. That was a 10 out of 10. So, I mean, you're going to have to lend a little bit of grace towards every other kombucha. 
No, they're compared to the 10. <laughs> so so the thing is like, okay. So that's your baseline. Oh, that seems unfair. That's what I'm saying. Because of the specifically because of the types of notes. That's what I'm that saying. Most most kombuchas aren't going to be like that. that. One spoke to you. You it's, know, you can also, drink a good kombucha, but that one spoke to your soul. Well, not even just that. Uh, it's a it's it was using profiles that you mostly don't have. You don't usually have in kombucha. True. So, all right, I need I'll have to create categories. <laughs> <laughs> we digress, but not all kombucha is created equal. And that specifically comes to the taste profiles. So does kombucha even taste good? Well, it depends. It depends on the way it was created, the flavorings that go into it, the individual that's trying it, um, the whether it was, it's hard to say correctly fermented, but at least not fermented in a horrifically how do you say it? <laughs> not not over-fermented to where we are now in the land of vinegar. Do you... Do you the think, balance isn't there. Do you think there was a ferment fermentation issue with this? The one that one? we tried, yes. There okay. was an over-fermentation and then also taste profiles that seemed intriguing because we're taste fanatics here. We love trying new things. So it was like, interesting but it was once you tried it it was like they all just fought each other and to be clear specifically when you're talking about taste profile this one didn't make statements about taste profile it just made statements about the ingredients true and so maybe it was the ingredient blend or maybe a particular ingredient that was bad went bad or was just never good <laughs> which is i'm leaning towards the latter it's, but it's, that's anyways. my assumption. So what things go into making a kombucha taste good or not? You know, because there's a couple ways that I kind of approach that thought is that I can appreciate a good kombucha that isn't my type of the thing. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, this was thoughtfully crafted. You can you can tell there was intention in it. You can tell the ingredient mixes are really well done. Like if it says flavors on the front of, of the the packaging and those come through in a nice elegant way, it's like I can appreciate and say, "Hey, that's a good kombucha." Well, that's what you did. That's what you did with the tiramisu one. Like you really appreciated it for what it was, but you knew it wasn't your thing, but you knew it was my thing. Which is why you gave me the rest of yours. (laughs) So that's exactly what you did. That's true. Yeah. And it's like you can appreciate when something's well-crafted and be like, hey, this is amazing. Or, you know, this is a good kombucha. It's just not my personal thing. I'm not going to be grabbing back for this thing. Yeah. But then there's kombuchas to where it's just bad. And we should get into what some of those are. What First. specific ones are, or what makes them bad? We'll, we'll go into we like name what, names what, here. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how frisky we get. <laughs> but we'll talk about what makes a bad kombucha, and then maybe we'll wrap it up with what are the things that add to making it a good kombucha. I like it. Okay. What makes a bad kombucha? I think the number one thing, the, the first thing that throws everyone off is just aroma. Like, oh my gosh, yes. It's like, what is, think about from anyone who's going for 
kombucha for the taste experience as well as maybe the health benefits like the both and. Anyone that's coming into it with that, the first thing they're going to do is smell it, especially a newbie. Yeah. Someone who's never tried kombucha, you're going to smell the kombucha. You're going to, and that is either starting to set a person up for success or failure. What are things that ruin that first thing? I think that first thinking, there's a couple things that go into it. Let's talk about the culture first. If the culture, and what we mean by culture is your, your OG batch, like the actual fermented, the living organisms, the SCOBY, and, yes. that, and the, the fermentation, liquid SCOBY. the liquid SCOBY that has gone through the fermentation. If it, d- depending on when you flavor, we'll talk about that at a different point, but depending on if that's been over-fermented, if it's been over-fermented, you're just going to get the largest waft of vinegar right out of it. If it's been incorrectly fermented, like too much heat on your yeast, you're going to get these off sulfuric, eggy sulfur, like, which I've had, and I've even been guilty of making way back in the day, not knowing some of those, some of those things. So when you do that, you're going to get, like, nobody wants to put their nose in a beautiful poured glass of colorful beverage and smell eggs. <laughs> that, that no. You have such, I mean, at that point, the success rate of someone enjoying that is... It's, it's such a disorienting experience. It's freaking nil. Yeah. Like, that, that <laughs> beverage is now dead to that person. They might, out of pleasantries, still take a sip in front of you, but... It's over. With a weird face. But it's over. Yeah. You've lost the battle. So first is aroma to me. It's got to smell amazing. So that's the culture. That's like two of the hot, the hot points of the culture. Now, the other thing is we always, in pretty much every one of our flavors, we add in things to bounce, bounce out the glass. So very aromatic things that we like to put in there that just greet you with your first sense, which is your smell. Yeah. To greet that first sense in a very... Sight. <laughs> oh, true. But if it's in a can. If it's in a can. If it's, yeah. Which it is for us. For us. So <laughs> smell is kind of the first thing. Yeah. Um, but you're right. That is. If it's, if it's poured, definitely sight. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Which can play a big role. Uh, can you say some quick things about uh, how important sight is or what specific things are yeah, interesting throw, about sight? Go ahead. You go for it. Okay. Um, I'll say one, uh, one, especially for us, that we're really uh, intentional about is color. Absolutely. Paying attention it's got to gotta be purdy. Absolutely. That's what makes it inviting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, color. Next thing would be um, probably the, uh, uh, the conditioning of the uh, carbonation. Something I noticed right away. Yeah. Oh, you do. That's something, actually, you and Trey both, that's the first the thing worst you guys pay attention to. The worst boots is the flat booch, man. <laughs> that's right. It's just so true. Yeah. Um, and then maybe a third one would be um, uh, texture, like sugar content, uh, based on the swirl. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just throw in the, like... Clarity. The clarity. Yeah, and yeah. not that that's a bad or good. It's just something that you notice. It's information. Yeah. It's information. Yeah. Definitely. So sight, if it's poor. The next thing that you're going to come into contact with is this, this smell, the aroma. And I feel like... Even if something looks a little funky, you might be willing to go in a yeah. little bit. Yeah. But 
if you're met with an unpleasant smell, it's just ruined from that point on. Yeah. Like, that's the step. It's like, this smells horrible. You can forgive something not that looks like weird. You can't forgive something that smells weird. Well, it's just like, it's like the cold killer for us. <laughs> it's exactly like it's cold like killer. It's like a liquid black. It looks like coal. And yet, it's one of our most popular flavors that we've ever well, made. I mean, that's not something that needs to be forgiven. That's something that draws people in. It's the novelty. There's literally no smell to it, though. Eh, you got a little ginger. A little ginger action. We do not put in... Well, compared to all of our other stuff. Yeah. Not that much. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, smell. if the... Yeah, the aroma's off. You have some of those weird things that I was talking about. We try to... we In our brews, we always try to put some sort of a aromatic agent, you know... Like, um, and the one that I've been consuming right now on the podcast are Sapphire. It's got a beautiful hop blend along with the blueberries. So you don't get much of the blueberry and the smell, but the hops just bounce, bounce out of the glass. The figgy pear, you're getting, you're getting the cloves. You're getting the, the, the kind of like the warm, like dried fruit fig smell that's coming out of it. You know, absolutely on our Kentucky mule. I mean, you're talking about mint greets you it's like you're ready for this fresh experience you know our blush the vanilla just pops out of the glass it's like very soft and subtle type of a you know almost a sweetness to to that smell and so we try to be really thoughtful on that side of things and oh yeah and to your point it's it's what sets the uh the person who's drinking up for success so it is it matches what they're going to be tasting so that's why smell can be so strange um with kombucha sometimes because i've had plenty of kombuchas where it smells totally different than what than what it's going to taste like or what the flavor description is which is something we're also really intentional about it's true you'll get some companies that will or some brewers that will hit the aromatics from the ingredients but then you dive in and let's go into the taste profiles now yeah and there's nothing to it. It's just That's true. This is a glorified sparkling water that has good aromatics. But it's thin, it's lackluster, it's more akin to sparkling flavored water than anything else. Um and that's on one side of things. And that's what is always a huge letdown to me. It's like when you go in, you smell, it's like, "Oh, they got the aromatics." It's like you're expecting this nice experience and then it hits your your lips and you're like I just paid four dollars for a sparkling water <laughs> it's power of suggestion is what they're banking on yeah like, if you think if you think about uh mint you'll taste it it's like no yeah. I just smell it that's not the same and kind of what we went along with is we're obviously biased in this way in our taste profiles of kombucha but does kombucha even tastes good. Heavy on the kombucha. Ooh, okay. <laughs> it's, does, does culture taste good? Yeah, exactly. So one thing that Try a lot of, of people in the industry are getting into is they're like doubling down on basically creating a product that creating a kombucha that doesn't taste like kombucha. It's like at the bedrock of what kombucha is, it's a fermented tea. 
Have you ever had fermented cabbage? It tastes nothing like cabbage. <laughs> Sauerkraut tastes nothing like you. It's like there's a reason it's going through fermentation. Yeah. It's to get. That's what it is. That's the be- the bedrock of what kombucha is. It's a fermented tea. Shouldn't taste anything like tea or that sweetness or anything like that. It's a it's fermented, and so there are a lot of characters that are for I would say nefarious means selling products that people think they're getting the health benefits from, but that don't taste like what the thing is, is where the health benefits actually come from. Right. (laughs) So we'll get into the, the health side of things in another episode. But anyways, we want it to taste like kombucha. We, if there's no, if there's zero tang, if there's zero kombuchiness to the kombucha it's an absolute fail on my end yeah uh what is it uh what what is the spectrum of of like taste experience that lacks uh that kombucha taste so i can think of two uh pendulum swings the two extremes would be very like watery and and thin and the other one would be just just straight juice and that's all you're kind of getting or maybe the triangle would be over fermented vinegar. Oh yeah, yeah. There's that. You too. know what I'm saying. Yeah. So there's multiple elements of the taste where it's like the flavors. Yes, like you're saying, if you're gonna claim flavors on the front, it's a non-negotiable to me. And I say it every time we try one. It's like if it says flavors on the front, if you cannot taste those things, preferably, and it should be in that order as they come into experience with you. That's a little bit of a fail to me. If you're going to advertise them on the front of the packaging. You know, I've never thought about the order of mentioning them based upon the order of the experience. That's something we try to think about on all all of ours. Something you try to think about. <laughs> I'm only just now thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, and you know, it it's important. It's like that that um it's like that handshake of trust that we give to the person, the consumer. It's like, "Hey, I went for a a ginger lime mint kombucha. That's what I got. Yeah. <laughs> the Kentucky meal. Or I went for a sapphire, a blueberry hops kombucha. I taste blueberry and I taste hops. Yep. Because <laughs> that will ruin the experience and disincline someone to trying any of your other stuff. You wreck the trust. You wreck it. They, Absolutely. They cannot trust anything that you say at that point, you know, in a very rudimentary type of a way. And so, yes, the flavorings very important. It needs to actually taste like what it says that it's going to. Um, the next thing, the actual depth of the culture itself, the depth, the actual taste profile. You know, to me, I want it to taste like I, I want that part to be this is not sparkling water, but this is not over fermented vinegar. Yes. And on the in-between is a spectrum where everyone falls in different places where they like it. But if it, to me, it's a big fail if it, if it hits one of those two categories. If it's like, this is over-fermented vinegar, this is vinegar. It's like people put juices and then poured some apple cider vinegar in this and carbonated it. If that's what it is, I don't. It's like that's a big fail to me on that side. Or if it's on the other side to where this doesn't even taste like kombucha. There's no kombucha to this kombucha. It's just thin, 
sparkling tea. You know, it's just like, that's an ultimate fail to me as well. So it's somewhere on the inside of that. Um, and that's where the beauty of the art comes in. You know, that's where the, the, the different taste profiles and preferences come in, you know, that's, and so that's that side. Anything you want to say on that one? I'm just thinking of some of those cocktails you send us <laughs> that people make where it's like, Hey, our kombucha is so good. You have to add something. You have to add a sparkling water to it to give it its carbonation back. <laughs> and, uh, you know, somehow that's just going to taste really good. Yeah. And it's like, no. Then uh, we'll add uh, a crap ton of uh, simple syrup as well <laughs> into it. And it's like, you got yourself a mocktail. I'm like, no, that is horrid. Yes. <laughs> yes. So we said... The culture itself, the flavors. And what was the other thing we said? The culture, the flavors. I don't know. I don't know. We already lost it. <laughs> it's okay. But those are a few of the things on the taste spectrum that really matter. You had mentioned, you had talked about the culture or anything. I, I just want to uh, hear a quick take on um, when people want to draw. They do the smaller batches. I don't, this isn't very scalable. But what they are focusing on, diff, um, their priority is the different kinds of culture based upon different kinds of teas and the effect of that. Yeah. Um, how much exposure do you have to people where like, that's actually like all that their business is and that's what they're doing? What do you Does mean that by sense? that? Um, so it's typically going to be really, really small batch. Yeah. And it's just about the different kind of tea blends that they use. Changing the, the base core yeah. ingredients, basically, yeah. to change your culture. Yeah, but they don't do any additional flavoring. Yeah, which I think is awesome. I think that's a cool model. Yeah. Um, I think it's a very, that's a specialty. That's a very specialty end of the spectrum. I mean, that's going to be a high price point um, type of beverage experience, you know? Um, but I think it's cool. I think that's awesome. I think that's super unique and worth worth trying a few. Yeah, I know a few people out there that do that, and I think it's cool. We focus more on crafting our house culture and then yeah. letting the flavors be the differentiator of that culture. And that's how we found it to do best here. Yeah. The other thing that I think is just still really cool is how well-crafted that culture is and the way in which we can how surprising it is how many flavor combinations we can do that still go that still blend well with that yeah are there any flavor combinations that would probably not go well with our culture i mean it's one of those things to where yes i mean i'm sure there's endless amounts that would um can you give me an idea of like what I would say it's more so in the land of what flavors would not go together but on the, their own. No. And like what would just not taste good in and of themselves, you know, that those ingredients. The one of the beautiful things about kombucha is it's so accepting of other flavors to be added to it. If you're not trying to hide the kombucha, ah, and you're you're buying a kombucha <laughs> you're buying not a flavored tea, not a flavored sparkling water, not a flavored soda. If you're buying a kombucha, and that's 
what the acceptance is going into this experience. A lot of other things, it's very accepting of many other um, flavors. So as long as you're as as uh, it's still trying to be kombucha, yeah, typically go well. And I mean, I have my personal favorites of things that of I feel like are perfect pairings for my palate and yeah. things that I enjoy. But oh, so you think it's more subjective to like the drinker than it is necessarily to the culture? Sure, absolutely, I think so. I mean, flavors are where the differentiations lie. You know, that's the fun thing to talk to people about. As far as a consumer to yeah. like a a seller type of a standpoint, that type of situation, it's it, that's where the fun lies. It's like one of the first questions if someone comes through our doors or is, meets us in an event or whatever, and I we get to the point to where hey they do love kombucha, they've already had it, they've never had ours. The first question I always like to ask them is, so what kind of kombucha do you normally like to drink? Like what kind of flavors? Yeah. And then they'll usually rattle off a few. And then we're talking in a common language. And that's where the fun comes in. Because some people like major tropical fruity. Some people are more into like, it's got to have ginger. Some people are more into the herbal, like, you know, just, um, you know, different herbs and uh, herbally crafted type of kombuchas. Um, that and, always was really fun. That was a fun part, you know, uh, when I was doing the tap room was, uh, kind of have a little bit of like a, a brief interview to find out what would be the best introductory kombucha to give them. But your favorite people that would come in were those that had just finished a coffee and walked through the doors. I, and they never had kombucha. I loved them because they, their palate was ready. Does kombucha even taste good to that person? <laughs> Most of the time, if that's what they did. The type of coffee that they got also told me quite a bit, <laughs> and I knew off the bat. Oh yeah, we got the go well. the double chai latte from around the corner with two two extra pumps of vanilla and white chocolate mocha. Just leave now. They're still twitching from the, like the sugar and the <laughs> caffeine. Let me save you. Just leave now. Yes. Turn back now. <laughs> Turn back now. Anyways, there's lots of different ways to, t- to approach this question, but. Um, you know, here's these are some of our thoughts on what makes what how a kombucha tastes good and how it doesn't. Yeah. Why some kombuchas don't taste good. Why many of them unfortunately do not. But the real reason why is actually something we've covered in hot takes. Yes. Because of something that happens in uh the farthest part of Kentucky. <laughs> oh yeah. We got some hot takes on that that we throw over um, on the Patreon. And uh, you can listen to those by uh, checking the Patreon out. So we're going to wrap this bad boy up. But first thing we got to do is talk about our winner. We have a winner? We got a winner. Are they getting a chicken dinner? No. They're (laughs) way better. So every once a month um, for all of our Patreon members, we do a... Drawing out of the hat? Not a real hat, obviously. We should. That would be better. Okay. Goals. <laughs> um, we, we, we draw out one of our Patreon members to send a free eight-pack of our kombucha to their doorstep anywhere nationwide. <clears throat> and so we have a winner. I don't got any drum rolls. That's okay. Go I'll ahead. Add, I'll add in post. Shout them. 
Cheyenne. Oh, Cheyenne. All right. Major buddy. congrats to you on being this month's. He's a producer. Huh? He's a producer. Producer? Yeah, kombucha. Right producer. on. Uh, Black Cat Kombucha. Black Cat. Right on. Well, we got you a free eight pack coming your way, Cheyenne. Thank you so much for um, supporting the podcast. And uh, you're the winner, winner, chicken dinner this month. Absolutely. All right. We got that. We'll have that eight pack sent to you this well, within a couple of days. Absolutely. Right on. Um, if you want to be involved in that, uh, support of the podcast for the, 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 as much as it costs to purchase a single glass of kombucha, you can support this podcast and be a part of a kind of little greater community on the backside where we do things like give pretty raw and real hot takes on things that we don't just throw out here on the interwebs for everybody, um, which we're going to be hitting one of those today. The strong personal opinions. The strong ones, uh, the real ones, the raw ones. <laughs> but uh, we're like th- today, the raw, we're g- unfiltered, <laughs> unpasteurized <laughs> opinions. Uh, like today, we're gonna be uh, jumping over there right after we've uh, wrapped it up here. The worst kombucha we've ever had, and we're gonna tell you about it. Oh, yeah, we might name names. Eh, most I likely, I said we might. <laughs> most likely, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um. And we're even going to talk about the worst batch of kombucha that's ever been produced out of the Thrive Brew Brewery. Ooh. Yeah. It's going to get juicy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you want to support this podcast, easy way to do it. Just for a few dollars a month. You get special deals on um, discount codes for different one-off offerings. You get early access to all of our special releases. You get hot takes, comment boards where we can chat about the raw elements of the kombucha world and uh, yeah, a whole bunch of other stuff too. So we appreciate each and every one of you that listen to this podcast. Um, Another free way that you can support the podcast is just by leaving a review. It means a lot. It helps us spread the kombucha love um, over these interwebs. Five-star review would be helpful. It would be. Like we said, you can join the Patreon. All access to all those types of things we've already said, and we're always working on better ways to help bring more valuable content on that back end. Um, <clears throat> nationwide shipping. If you're interested in trying this stuff, this stu- trying this stuff, man, I'm just falling over my words today. If you're interested in trying the stuff out that we're talking about every week on this podcast, you'll notice I'm not even trying. <laughs> so it's not just you. <laughs> we distribute regionally. You can check out the map feature um, down in the description. Hit us up on Instagram as well. Uh, if you got any further questions, email them to info at thrivebrewco.com. Trev will be getting back with you in the most time-efficient way that he can. And that's it. See you over on the Patreon. Cheers. Cheers.